Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Ewing Bang Podcast, everyday commentary by everyday people. This is your host, Emil Wang. And before I get started talking GSW hoops and the NBA Finals, I did want to let the listeners know that the next movie review episode will be Wonder Woman. I'll be joined once again by my buddy Jeff Liu to talk about this awesome movie. Now with that, let's kick this Golden State Warriors basketball conversation off with some throwback hype tunes from the Track Runners. Here we go. What's going on, Wang Bangers? This is Emil Wang, a.k.a. the former backup point guard of the Golden State Warriors. I'm joined here again by my friend, Genio James. How are you doing, man? Hey, what's up, dude? Good to have you on again for another Warrior Wang Bang Wednesday. And what better way to uh, kick off the NBA Finals than to have a 2-0 lead going back to Cleveland? What are your general thoughts on the first two games? I think both of us were, you you with your Ford trademark bold move with uh, the sweep, and my pick was uh, GSW and five. I think I think from my perspective, I expected it to be, you know, us taking the first two games, but I figured one of the games would be pretty close. I was thinking probably game one that, you know, the teams are feeling each other out. Usually that's one that, you know, the road team can steal, but... Worked out well, I think it's just, like we talked about in the preview, the uh, presence of Kevin Durant has once again proven to be, is going to be the factor, I think, for the rest of the uh, the series. Yeah, Cleveland has had no way to guard him, and we don't need to go in too deep into the stats, but I mean, the dude averaged, you know, 30, you know, 30 10, and 8 or something. His, his numbers are off the charts, and he's basically unguardable. Like like you and I had discussed, there's nobody that the Cavs can throw at him that can be effective. I mean, there you know some of the blogs are saying that Iman Schumpert played an okay game on him last game, but I mean, do we need to start calling Iman Schumpert the KD stopper? I think he is the uh, KD Ruth stopper. Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the Ruth Patterson uh, of KDs. Uh, but basically, he as good as he could play him. But I mean, that's just not good enough. Still, he's aggressive on D. Um, but you know, the size advantage and the speed of KD, I think, you know, it's still going to be too much for any of their wing players other than LeBron. Right, and it's not even about the individual matchups. I mean, Kevin Durant is, you know, because he's playing post defense or help defense, he's getting the board, starting the break. So even if you have a plan to guard him with one particular person. If the Cavs are not getting back on transition defense, and when they do, they give up the wide-open layup, it's it's going to be ineffective no matter who you have matched up against against Durant. Yeah, and they just they don't have the personnel. Like They don't have the switchability some of us have. I mean, you have a guy who is just so talented at seven feet – you don't really have multiple guys that are that size with that kind of talent defensively to throw at him. The only guy 
size-wise is LeBron. And when they when we start going into pick and rolls and they're switching and trying to fight through and it's just like that kind of stuff like wears down the defense. You know, when you yeah. have to, you know, be smart about switching to KD. And if you try to switch, you know, even the Steph-KD pick and roll, they switch Kyrie on to uh, KD a few times in game two. Right. I think a couple times in game one, too. And it's like, it's game over. What are you going to do? Like, there's yeah. no option left. Like, you're going to double KD, he's, he's kicking it to the open shooter. So it's like you're either getting two points for KD or three points, potential three points from a great shooter somewhere else. So it's just... There's no, they don't have the right. I just don't know what they can do on defense. You know. Yeah, having LeBron match him up one on one is is going to be difficult because LeBron's effective, and I think we talked about this during the, the NBA Finals preview. LeBron's effective as kind of that free safety floating guy who picks off that pass and takes it down to the other end of the court and dunks it, right? But if he has to guard KD, then he can't be that that guy that's floating in the middle playing the passing lanes. So it basically, I think, takes Cleveland out of its transition game. Yeah, and, and that was the other thing, too, was Shumpert being able to, you know, at least body up KD. It frees LeBron up to guard somebody like Livingston or like somebody else where he can be more of that free safety role that he's used to because he just doesn't really play on-ball defense anymore because it's just like that's not his thing anymore. Like he's best as a help defender. Uh, mm-hmm. directing traffic, like, you know, helping out, you know, where he can. But it's just on the ball. It's just it takes too much out of him what right. he has to do on the ball defense all the time. So that's another thing I think uh, I noticed was that them trying to buy any kind of time where LeBron's not guarding KD. Like, so yeah. or JR, whatever, throwing him at KD, but it doesn't matter. He's going to score 35 points. But, you know, just trying to buy time for LeBron where he's not on the ball and having to guard KD – the whole time now, he got beat on the back door late in game two like there's a couple times where you know lebron on the pick and roll action just wasn't very good you know recovering and katie got like an open three going left there's so many of them it's just like he just it, it just takes too much out of him i think for him to sustain something like this for 48 minutes he only has to do so much on offense yeah and getting to that i mean game two the dude started out so dominant you know it seemed like his first 10 shots were just layups or dunks at the rim, but man, he got gassed. Like, you know, by that third quarter, he couldn't keep up with anybody, I felt like. You know, like that, that play of Curry, you know, making LeBron dance was, was pretty awesome, but hey, keep in mind, LeBron was probably exhausted. Like, you know, he, he was definitely a half step slow when he was, he was guarding Curry out there. So I don't think that was the play of the night. I actually, if I had to, point at one awesome play would be you know it'd be kd blocking kevin love on one end and then taking the ball right back at him and you know finishing uh finishing off balance that basically embodied you know what the warriors have been doing this whole series uh taking advantage of mismatches yeah i mean if, if kd is gonna be able to guard love in the post and not get bullied and then just use his length and maybe not even block just bother him in the post that what what really chance are they you know, what chance do they really have? That's that's an advantage that people thought that they could potentially go to was love in the post. But, you know, right. if he's not going to move Draymond, if he's not going to move um, KD, where's his advantage in the post? You know, and KD just in that play kind of shows you. I mean, his length bothers everybody. LeBron, Love, you know, everybody. Even like boxing out Tristan Thompson, 
who I know um, you wanted to talk about. I mean, there's actually not much to talk about Tristan Thompson. He's done absolutely nothing in the series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that that was the guy I penciled or circled as being, you know, the X factor. I thought that dude was going to crush us on the boards and be the guy that you know got the offensive boards either and put had a quick put back or got free throws or dished it out for another three. The dude has just been abysmal. I mean, he has his stat lines have been you know, zero points, four rebounds or something in 20 minutes. Tyrone Lewis basically had to pull him because if he's not getting boards or or scoring, I mean, the guy, he's an okay defender, but he's just too slow, and he's a liability on offense because you can't run an offense through him. It's crazy because he hurt us so much last year. I think he was, like, one of the guys with, like, the highest plus minus last year, like, mm. on the caps. Like, he just killed us. But I think this year... The game plan for the Warriors was we were ready for Tristan Thompson. Like, whether that's trying to body him up for the rebounds. Even KD and Dre have been doing a great job keeping him off the offensive glass. And like you were saying, if he's not getting the offensive glass, he's not doing much. And we're not putting the guy that Thompson is guarding in pick and rolls as much. So you don't see Tristan out in the perimeter switching on to like Steph and stuff as much anymore. So a lot of it is different pick-and-rolls that we're running, too. So he's not involved on defense anymore. So he's really just kind of like roaming around in the in the paint. Not exactly a great shot blocker either. So if he's not rebounding, what else is – and if he's not defending, you know, being able to switch and defend Steph and, you know, Clay on the perimeter, what is he doing? Right. That's why he, they have to pull him. I just feel like there's just – there's no room. Um, if he's not rebounding, there's really nothing he can do. And that's why he's 20 minutes a game right now, which is incredible. He was playing like 35 or something like that last year in the finals, 36. But yeah, you know, one thing to keep in mind about Tristan Thompson is that last year he was punking on, you know, Anderson Verjao and Festus Azili and, you know, with Draymond, who was scared of getting another technical, you know, because we lost Bogut game five, you know, so we basically didn't have Bogut for the last three games of the series. And we could only throw, you know, ineffective centers at, Tristan Thompson. So I think one of the good things that we have this year is that we have a lot more bodies and we have a Draymond Green who isn't scared of getting technicals anymore uh, because he doesn't have to worry about the suspension. So we're able to body up Tristan Thompson a lot better. So I, th I think kind of the personnel and the, and the Draymond Green technical situation has helped us keep Tristan Thompson off the glass. Can you show some respect to Anderson Verjao, please? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. This yeah. is not solely the good name of Andy Verjao. Almost yeah. NBA champion twice <laughs> in one year, Andy Verjao. Hey, I, okay. I think he, so he's wait. still got a ring with the Cavs, I think, right? No, he, I think I thought he rejected it. He didn't want it or something. Oh, nice. Good for, good yeah. for Anderson Verjao. I want to talk about another defensive strategy that the Warriors have uh, have implemented. The pick-and-roll defense this year has been a little different than last year, where Cleveland is still trying to put Steph uh, into the pick-and-roll so they can get the switches, the mismatches, but it doesn't seem like they're getting those mismatches as much as they were last year in games you know, 5, 6, and 7 of the finals. What what are they doing? Well, the, I think the main thing that they were doing, even, even at – at the beginning of game one, you could see it, and, uh, you know, the the JVG and those guys were kind of pointing it out, I believe, in game one as well. Uh, but we're basically 
having Steph hedge the pick and roll. So what that means is when he's going out to when his man is going to set the screen for LeBron, Steph is stepping in front of LeBron to try to deter him from making a move. And that allows whoever Le- LeBron's defender is to get back in position so he can um, from the screen so he can recover and, and play defense on LeBron again. So it eliminates the potential switch and it allows Steph to step out and try to deter LeBron a little bit before he makes the decision. So um, that worked well in game one. Um, I think it caught the I think it caught the Cavs off guard a little. They couldn't get the switch that they wanted. Like we kept hedging and kept basically allowing KD and, and you know whoever else was guarding him to fight through the screen, Iggy and, and KD mainly, uh, to fight through the screen while Steph hedged and try to play defense one-on-one after that. So that definitely was uh, an adjustment. And another thing I think we uh, were doing also was when we were when the screener was going up to set the screen, there was a couple plays that I, I saw where I think we were like doing like switching the, the defender before the defender gets gets up to the screener. So mm-hmm. actually you switch Steph away before he goes to follows his guy to the, the screener. So it's gotcha. crazy like the amount of switching that we do. And it's like that kind of communication is you just have to be so in sync about what you're doing. Right. So basically so, switching off ball, even though there, there wasn't even a screen off ball. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, just being aware that a screen was coming. Mm-hmm. Right. And then having somebody ready to switch already so that when LeBron thinks that Steph is the guy that's going to be switched on to him, it's actually Clay. You know, so right. little right. things like that. It's crazy that we've that we've made adjustments to because I think we knew that Cleveland was going to try the same uh, kind of tactic coming in because that's what worked last year you know so um they did do the same tactic and we were ready for it yeah definitely that i i think the pick and roll defense this year is is a lot better and that's ultimately the the difference in the game i mean you know nobody we're not getting beat on the same play over and over again like i felt like it was happening last year it was basically lebron and Kyrie taking turns punishing uh punishing curry on defense so I do want to turn our attention to an interesting stat for game one and for game two. So for game one, the Warriors took 20 more shots than the Cavaliers, which mostly is contributed to that to that turnover differential where the Cavs turned it over 20 times and the Warriors only turned it over four. Now, what was interesting about game two is that the Warriors actually shot less than the Cavs. Um, and the story was kind of reversed where the Cavs only had nine turnovers and the Warriors ended up with 20. However, the end result was still the same. The Warriors still won by 20 in both of these games, essentially. So let's talk about what were the major differences between game one and game two and kind of what we can learn from what happened in game two and adjust our, adjust our game plan to in game three. I think for, I think for game one, that's about, Missed shots that we had. So I knew for us, if we were, if Clay found his shot and, you know, the rest of the little bunnies that we missed in game one went in, um, we would be in good shape. Um, I knew we weren't going to get four turnovers again. Um, I didn't expect 20, but that was super sloppy. It was incredibly frustrating watching Steph just throw the ball away multiple times in the first half. It was ridiculous. I mean, he had like five or six at the half. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, it was, just like, so frustrating to watch. And, you know, we were saved by the the hot shooting um, in game two. So KD and Clay 
with, with their and even Draymond three for six on threes. Um, yeah. The hot shooting from three really really helped us overcome the uh, the twenty turnovers. And that's what's crazy about this team is that you know if we were to play a perfect game, like combine the shooting that we had in game two with you know the turnovers in game one, which it may not going to happen, but let's say maybe. 12 to 15 turnovers, right? I mean, you're looking at potentially 140 points. And yeah. I just, how how are the Cavs going to get to 140 points? I just yeah. don't see it. it I, I just, I don't understand how they can get to 140, especially when you have guys like JR. Like, I think he's made one shot out of like 10 times. Like, the guy's right. just been it's un, unplayable. Like, and then like, the funniest part last, uh, the uh, in game two was uh, when Channing Fry came in. Channing oh, Fry yeah. is. I mean, you yeah. can't. How, what is Ty Lue doing? The guy, you can't play that guy. <laughs> well, I just, he couldn't. He couldn't play Tristan Thompson or you know Richard Jefferson yeah. or anybody else. So that's, he was, that's, I guess yeah, too. reaching. Just I mean, he basically was like, I have to try something because Thompson's not working. You know. J.R. Smith isn't ma- making anything. Corver's been terrible. Like, guys that, you know, I'm mean, Corver and J.R. Were, and Deron Williams, who's also been awful, were guys that I was like, man, you can't let these people get hot because that is how the Cavs beat you is when they their supporting cast can get hot, right? And we talked about this in the, in the uh, NBA Finals preview episode, but, yeah. Let LeBron get his get his numbers. Let Kyrie get his numbers, and even let Kevin Kevin Love get some of his numbers. As long as those supporting guys don't catch fire, then I we're in good shape. I mean, yeah, Cleveland needs those guys to be scoring, you know, twelve apiece for them to even stand a chance against the firepower that the Warriors have. Yeah, and shout out to Clay Thompson for the for the defense on Clay and coming back to life. Kyrie on offense, or what I say? You said Clay's defense on Clay. <laughs> <laughs> Playing defense on himself, but um, yeah. Kyrie Irving because he—I mean, I think he's starting to figure out Kyrie a little bit. Yeah, like how they're trying to, you know, and and they're still trying to switch stuff onto him, but Clay's fighting through, and he's remaining, and his defense has just been ridiculous, stellar. Kyrie, it's just he was. I mean, he scored 19 points, but I didn't even think he scored 19. Like, I was I was kind of shocked. I mean, he's just like, he was pretty absent most of the game. Yeah, well, he had that, like, seven-point run when they, and I don't know why the Warriors did this, but they put Ian Clark on Kyrie, which made, which made no sense because you have so many other elite defenders, Pat McCall, uh, Sean Livingston, you know Iggy, even Matt Barnes, you you could I mean, have just put as on him, right. He's got the foot speed, and then you can yeah. just try to use your length to bother him. But yeah, yawn on him was just absolutely yeah, it's unwatchable. I was like yeah. screaming at the TV. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, that that defensive matchup. Yeah, made no sense. But I, hopefully, Kerr takes something from that. I mean, really, the only criticism I have for. For Kerr's game plan was have, having Ian Clark on Kyrie. That that was one of those moments where I was like, oh shit, like Kyrie's gonna get hot again. Like he did, you know, Game Four against Boston, where you know LeBron had to sit with his four fouls and Kyrie just fucking lit it up. He took he took the game over. So we you know we can't let Kyrie do that. 
the the one way that Kyrie's going to catch fire is if we have Ian Clark on him, or yeah. you know, if we have Steph on him, you know, full time. So you gotta sh- you gotta hide line on guys like Shumpert or like Corver and stuff. Like you just cannot have an ISO guy on on Ian Clark. He's just not good enough. So you just you just gotta be other ways to, to hide him, and you gotta have somebody much bigger and you know better on defense. But um, overall, I mean, I thought it was good two games. Um, we played well. And I just I don't think Cavaliers have the right personnel for this. I mean, this is completely different than last year when they came back. I mean, I know their strategy. You know, most people are saying that they really need to slow it down and all that stuff, but I just don't see it in the half court either. I mean, I don't even if we don't get on transition. Yeah, it slows us down a little bit, but we still have so many guys that can score in the half court. So I'm not sold on that strategy either. Yeah. Yeah, we have that guy Kevin Durant in the half court who could just he's passing the ball, just shoots over whoever's guarding him. Basically, that's KD Finals MVP. <laughs> that's our prediction. Well, spe- speaking of predictions, let's wrap this up then with the series going back to Cleveland. Warriors up two zero. Everybody's healthy. Steve Kerr's back on the bench. Do we see another game in Golden State? I think we – I'm sticking to my original pick, GSW and 5. I think I think we're three-point favorites for game three. So, yep. yeah, I, I think the others on Cleveland will play better for game three. They'll come out. Uh, I think JR hits some more shots. You know, I think Kyle gets, you know, gets a few good looks. And um, I think they'll probably have enough to overcome – uh, us in game three and i think game four will make the adjustments on whatever they did in game three to uh to win that one back and then i there will never there will not be a repeat of three one from last year this is not even close to being the same thing we will destroy them in oracle in game five yeah i'm uh i'm actually leaning towards the sweep i i've thought about it and man they like LeBron, Love, and Kyrie combined for what seventy last night? Is it, is that what it yeah. was? Or yeah, somewhere in that name. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they don't even—they're not even close in the like like they they still lose by twenty even though they're you know three guys drop seventy. They played about as good as they could have, and yet they they still fall short, way short. I just don't see them winning another game, but I don't know. The the conservative in me still wants to be like, uh, like I don't want to be heartbroken like I was last year. Avoid three one at all costs. Yeah, avoid three one at all costs. Exactly. Like nothing is safe until we've won that fourth game. Is kind of how I feel. But yeah, I, I'm actually predicting the sweep. And for all my Bay Area friends, I'm going to be in the Bay this weekend, so I'll uh, hopefully be able to celebrate the sweep with you guys. On that note, thanks to all the faithful listeners who've tuned in for the second Warrior Wang Bang Wednesday, as well as the sixth episode of the Wang Bang Podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang, joined by my very good friend, Genio James Liao. Have a good week, and go Dubs! Go Dubs! <laughs>